Lord, you truly are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for the gift of life and the gift of breath. And since it's a gift that you've given to us, Lord, we wanted to give it back to you. And the, and the element of praise, Lord, we know that you are the, the great giver. And Lord, you put that in our hearts that you are God and you are good. And we want to express that in our singing in our serving, in our words, and our actions. You are good, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 I, uh, I love Jerry Clower. Maybe uh, some of y'all don't know who he is. Google him. <laughs> Uh, watch some of his YouTube videos. He's passed on. I did get to meet him before he passed on. But one of my favorite stories that Jerry Clyer told was he and his brother Sonny had come in from school. And when they got off the school bus, they could tell that their mama was cooking tea cakes. If y'all don't know what tea cake are, the younger generation most don't know. It's kind of like a cookie. And uh, so they went to begging mama, can we have a tea cake? Can we have a tea cake? No, you'll ruin your supper. Oh, Mama, please, they smell so good. So finally she gave in and said, you can have one. Well, Jerry's brother, Sonny, grabbed his and headed out the door. And, and as soon as he got out the door, they, country folk, they have hound dogs everywhere. The hound dog ran up and grabbed his tea cake. Well, Sonny jumped on him, went to choking him, spitting in his face, and just gouging him in the eyes, run his finger down his throat. And finally the hound dog just spit out the tea cake. Sonny grabbed a tea cake, set it up on a fence post, and said, Jerry, when it dries, it'll be all right. <laughs> I love that story. I just think about that slobber all, that, all over that tea cake. When it dries, it'll be all right. Well, sometimes we think that we need to wrestle with God to get the very thing that he's actually trying to give us all along. We're going to look at a story about a man named Jacob and his name is fitting, and his, his name, as some translations of the Bible says, supplanter. And he got that name because when he was born, he was born with his, he, he was the one of twins, the, the second one to come out of the womb, and we had his, he had his hand on his brother's heel. And he would spend the rest of his life constantly trying to trip people up so he could get an advantage over them. And so that name Jacob means supplanter or trickster. He was always working a hustle. And so in Genesis chapter 32, we can see this story about Jacob wrestling with the Lord. Now we, uh, we need to know a little bit more about Jacob. I kind of told you how he was born. The way this uh, came about was uh, Abraham was told by God to go to a land that he didn't know. And God would do a, a, a amazing blessing, put a blessing on him that he would be blessed. All those who blessed him would be blessed. And all of the nations, all the world would be blessed through him. So Abraham goes and does that, has a wife who is apparently barren, can't have children. And so there's a 90-year-old woman trying to have children because God's already said the blessings of the world will come through her. They begin to finagle and manipulate because obviously she can't have children. And so uh, in their finagling and manipulating, they give Abraham and Sarah, uh, gives, Sarah gives her handmaiden, uh, Hagar to Abraham to have children through her. We don't find in the scriptures where Abraham uh, had a problem with that. You know, we just, 
he seemed to be okay with that, has a child through this finagling. And uh, it's interesting, as you find in the scriptures, as God refers to this child, Ishmael, uh, he, he, he oftentimes, he won't even, he won't even call him uh, the child of Abraham. In fact, when Jacob, I mean, when uh, Abraham was uh, called by God to offer up his one true child, Isaac, as Sarah would have a child, uh, by miraculous uh, beings of God, she would have a child in her very old age, named that child Isaac. God said, take your son, your only son. That's what he told Abraham. That's not his only son. He's got Ishmael. But see, God does not recognize our means of finagling. He only recognizes our means of faith. Isaac was a child by faith. Ishmael was a child by finagling, trying to manipulate and work things. And so that kind of handed down from Abraham all the way down to his grandson, Jacob. Now, Isaac, God had already said, I'm going to bless the world through Isaac. Well, Isaac... And his wife, uh, he's praying that, that she would, it looks like she's barren, Rebecca. And God pray, uh, they pray and God gives her children. She has twins. And the twins are wrestling each other inside Rebecca's womb. And she cries out to God. And I imagine if anybody had twins wrestling inside their womb, you'd be crying out to God too. And she calls crying out to God. And, and she's like, Lord, what is going on here? And he says, the Lord tells her you're having two children And they're wrestling within you. And then he gives a promise that the older will serve the younger. So Abraham has a word from the Lord. Isaac has a word from the Lord. Rebekah has a word from the Lord. And now Jacob is born with his hand on his brother's heel. And he spends the rest of his life hustling. He's hustling and he is... He's constantly trying to to grasp in this world the things that God had already promised to give him. He takes his his brother, uh, his brother was out hunting uh, and and didn't get anything and he comes in hungry and and, uh, Jacob immediately sees an opportunity and goes to finagling again. And he hustles his brother out of his birthright. Now a birthright, if you have two children, then all of the inheritance of the father is split three ways. And the oldest child gets two portions and the youngest child gets one portion. And so... Uh, Esau comes in hungry, said, my birthright's no good anyway. If I die right here of hunger, I think he was kind of uh, exaggerating a little bit and, and uh, a little more in tune to his flesh than he should have been. And the Bible says he despised his birthright because Jacob cheated him out of it. And then later on, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, who had already received a word from the Lord that the older will serve the younger, said, I need to, I need to help this out. I need to help God out. I need to make this happen. And so when his dad, Isaac, was old and blind, she worked it to where uh, Jacob got the blessing of the father, which is a a true thing to receive the blessing from the Lord. We don't do this much in in modern days, and I don't know why we don't. But speaking blessings over one another, we should. And so uh, she, she worked it and Jacob and, and mom manipulated and worked out the blessing. So now Esau lost his birthright and his blessing. And now he wants to kill a uh, little brother. And so little brother takes off running and he runs back toward the land where Abraham came from. Now, as he does, he runs into his uncle, his uncle's name Laban. 
And uh, Jacob has now met his match because Jacob's a hustler too. I mean, Laban is a hustler too. And so they try to out-hustle one another for 20 years. 20 years later. Now, Jacob's family has grown, his possessions have grown, and he is now going to go back home. And he's bringing all of his, his people and his prosperity with him. And, and so this is where we are in Genesis chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 22, and he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Now, I didn't go into the great detail. I could have read the previous verse of Scripture, and it describes how he sent them over. But the way that he sent them over, he sent first gifts to his brother. Because he knows this man wants to kill me. And he has every right to. And so he sends gifts to Esau and gives all kinds of gifts and, and all kinds of blessings and, and, and all of this trying to just make everything smooth over. And then he sends his wives from the least favorite to the most favorite. And so if he's going to kill my wives, eh, let me pick her. <laughs> and so he sends his wives over from least favorite to most favorite. Sends all of his possessions over. And now it's just him. That's just him. He, he is preparing to meet the man who wanted to kill him, his very brother, tomorrow. Verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now we know that this man is not some ordinary man. And we look at this verse of scripture and, and scholars and theologians and Christians of all time have struggled with the verse, this verse of Scripture. Like, how do we make this make sense? And who is this person that's wrestling with him? And is it the angel of the Lord? Is it the pre-incarnate Jesus? I tend to believe that it is. Who is this? Why did he snatch a hold of him, start wrestling with him? What is, trying, what is going on in this verse of Scripture? Verse 25, now when he saw that he did not... Now, you've got to look at the capitals. Now, when he... This man who jumped on Jacob. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint when he wrestled with him. Now, I was reading on this passage of Scripture, and apparently there is a, uh, uh, this is referring to, that the, the, and it will tell us in, in uh, later passages, that there's a particular muscle that the Jews won't eat connecting the hip. And apparently, this man reached at his and grasped him near his growing so hard, hit him so hard that it dislocated his hip. Now, again, this could be the pre-incarnate Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to do. This could be an angel of the Lord. There's no way that Jacob could have beat him unless the Lord wanted him to. And maybe he jumped on him because he wanted to, to prove a lesson to him. Jacob, you don't have to keep finagling and hustling and working to receive the things that you want in this world when I have already given them to you. But we do this all the time. We, we get in our mind that I need such and such thing. Or I need to be such and such kind of a person. We have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The th all sin can be located in one of those three compartments. The lust of the flesh, the things that I want to have. The lust of the eyes, the, the, the lust of the flesh, things I want to do. I'm sorry. Lust of the flesh, the things I want to do. The lust of the eyes, the things I want to have. And the pride of life, the things I want to be. 
All sin fits in one of those things. And, and yet we're always building up in our mind the things that I want to, to experience, the things I want to have, the things I want to be. And if we would just get close to the Lord, we will find out exactly what He wants us to have, the things that He wants us to experience, and the things that He wants us to be. Can't, the, the things of this world can't even come close in comparison. We might be wrestling with God that he might fix this argument that I just had with my wife. And, and Lord, would you just fix this? And he's like, I got something way better. I want to give you the marriage of your dreams. Rather than just fix this little issue that you're trying to work your way through, how about you let me transform your heart and her heart and make a marriage that you've been dreaming about since childhood? Or we got this little family conflict. And Lord, I just... Pray that you would just fix this family conflict. How about you get as close to me as you could possibly get and see me transform your family? Amen. Lord, I, I, I just got this job that, that uh, I know I need this job, and I'm asking that you would bless me with this job. And he's like, I've got so much more for you than that piddly little thing. I've heard people say when you pray that God always answers one of three things. Yes. It's not time, or I have something better. I think that's pretty good, because uh, we don't like hearing, say, hearing him say no. <laughs> but the truth is that his no's are wrapped up in, I have something better. Here's Jacob, and he's always working his way around trying to hustle and manipulate and, and, and grasp what he wants in this life. But you know what? God has already told him. Over and over and over again what he's going to do. So he's heard it from his grandfather, Abraham. He's heard it from his father, Isaac. He's heard it from his mother, Rebekah. And then on that night that I didn't, I didn't go into this passage, the day when he runs from his brother Esau. He stops at this place and he lays his head on a stone and he begins to sleep and dream. And as he dreams, he sees this ladder, this this ladder going up into heaven and angels ascending and descending on this ladder. Anybody ever heard of Jacob's ladder? As he is now recognizing that he is in the presence of God and at the portal of heaven, he then hears from the Lord and the Lord begins to declare to him all of the blessings that he's going to pour out on him. So now he's heard from granddad, he's heard from dad, he's heard from mom. Now he has heard from the Lord himself. I am going to bless you. I am going to pour out a blessing on you more than you can contain. I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And so now, it, it, it should have sunk in then. Jacob, you can't stop the blessings of God. Quit trying to make things happen. But see, he got it from his grandfather. He got, he, it's almost as if he was born bad. Anybody ever felt like you were born bad? We were all born with a sin nature. Jacob was born with his hand on his brother's heel and spent the rest of his life trying to trip somebody up to get an advantage over him. We were all born with a sin nature. We were all born with the selfishness. We were all born thinking, me first. And that's what he was constantly trying to do. I want that birthright. I want that blessing. I want to put me first. When it came to his, his uncle, he goes to get his, a, a, a wife from his people. His uncle swapped the... Ladies around on him. He wanted the pretty one. He got the ugly one. <laughs> I mean, that's, I grew up reading the King James and it says she had weak eyes. <laughs> weak eyes. She couldn't see good. No, it says she's ugly. That's what she, she was. 
<laughs> Beauty's only skin deep, but ugly goes plumb to the bone. So she would. <laughs> Uncle swapped. A, I know that's not very spiritual. I had to. <laughs> Uh, but, but uncle swaps around and he keeps finagling his uncle and finagles him out of his, out of his, his, his animals, all of his livestock. Now all of a sudden Jacob is wealthy and now he's, he's heading back to claim the promise that God has made for him, but he's got a problem. He's got a brother that's mad at him. But in this night, notice that everything has been stripped down to where it's just Jacob and the Lord. All his prosperity is gone. All his relationships are gone. They're all over there. And now it's just me and my thoughts. You ever had any nights like that? This morning's worship set is kind of a stripped down version. And, and it's, it's kind of uh, the theme of today. To just strip down everything to, to do, as, as Cassie said, a spiritual inventory of your life and ask yourself, if I had nothing but him, is he enough? If I had nothing and no one but him, is he enough? Or do I need to constantly be trying to, through ambition, finagle and get the things of this world that cannot satisfy? Jacob is there wrestling with the Lord, and let's just keep reading. It says he wrestled all night with him. Remember, he, he dislocates his hip, and we'll come back to that in a second. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the daybreaks. He, this man, possibly the pre-incarnate Jesus, said, let me go. But he said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. How many times have I grabbed a hold of God in prayer, and I'm just like... I know this is your will. Why, why, aren't you, why are you delaying your answer? I know this is what you want from me. And he's, I just think of this crazy story. That was the whole reason that the Lord jumped on him to start with. Jacob, I need you to learn that you can't continue in life constantly being contentious. When you just grab, grasp a hold of me, I am your source of blessing. Amen. Jesus then comes along and teaches us persistence in prayer. When he hasn't answered your prayer, he said, just keep praying. It talks about asking and seeking and knocking. But that word that he's using in each one of those, asking, it doesn't mean ask one time and stop. It means you just continue to ask. And that persistence in prayer, when you continue to seek, when you continue to not, you just continue and, and you hang on for your blessing. So he says, I'm not going to let go of you till you bless me. And I have to think that was what the Lord was trying to get to in the first place. So he said, verse 27, so he said to him, what is your name? You think the Lord knew his name? We know the Lord knew his name. He's trying to get to the core. Who are you, boy? I'm a deceiver. I'm a scoundrel. I'm a hustler. I'm one who trips up my fellow man in order to get ahead of him. We have to come to the root of who we are and recognize that we were born flawed. If you can't get there, then you can't get saved. Here's the truth of the matter is. If you can't get to the point that he has to save you from yourself, 
That you were born with a sinful nature in which you were constantly trying to put yourself first, trying to get ahead of others. We're selfish at heart, are we not? Anybody with me this morning? If you don't believe it, we can go across the hallway into the nursery, put three toddlers together and put one toy in the middle of them. You say, oh, those are selfish little kids. We were born that way. And we constantly are trying to get ahead. We're constantly trying to, to, to work our hustle. We're constantly trying to get things in this world to fill our needs, to bring us fulfillment, and it can't work. It can't work. Only the Lord can satisfy. Amen? Yeah. Only the Lord can satisfy. Well, as we have this wrestling match, such a weird passage of Scripture, he says, uh, what's your name? I'm Jacob. He says, you got a new name now. Your name is now Israel, verse 28. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. He had an encounter with God. I don't know if you've had uh, quite the dramatic encounter with God. I haven't had quite so dramatic an encounter, but I have wrestled with the Lord. I have wrestled with the Lord. Not in the physical sense, but in, certainly in the spiritual sense. Lord, why, why won't you heal this one? Lord, why, I, I know that it's your desire to do such and such. Why, why Lord, haven't you blessed here? And, and Lord, I can't understand why... Why you can't do such and such. And it's not that he can't do anything, right? He could have prevailed over Jacob just like that. But he's maybe teaching us the power of perseverance. You just hold on for your blessing. You hold on. You continue keeping on. Even when everything else has been stripped away, that's, it's almost the best condition is to realize that all you need is him. Amen? Amen. I want to uh, look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You're a little quiet this morning. I need you to wake up. In fact, let's pray. Father, we just ask that right now you would uh, jump on us. Oh, we wrestled around with the junk of this world thinking we need it and trying to outmaneuver and manipulate. In our own ambitions, we hurt others. Lord, I pray that you'd help us do that spiritual inventory right now, that we'd get stripped down to everything except us and you. Yeah. And that we'd come to the conclusion that truly all we need is you. And I pray that right now, Lord, that you would just... Uh, Bring clarity to our minds. Lord, may the truth of God just hit us right in the face that we would recognize the truth of your word. And Lord, that your spirit would just, just open up these scriptures and bring them to life in our understanding. Lord, I pray we'd get it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You might know this passage. Thank you, brother. You might know this passage and it's so powerful. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above 
all that we ask or think. I don't know if he could add any more adjectives to make that more impactful, but how many of y'all have asked big things of God? Well, five of you are honest, so... I, I've asked some big things of God, and the truth of the matter is, sometimes uh, I have looked back over my life, and I thought, man, that was a pity little thing I was asking for. Yeah. I thought it was huge at the time, but, but when, when he answered that prayer, it became huge in my mind and my, my understanding that, oh, if he can do that, then he can do this, yeah. exceedingly abundantly above. I'm going to tell you the truth of the matter. 15 years ago, this was as big as my vision was. This building, with a room this full, this was as big as my vision could get. I couldn't imagine anything beyond this because I, this was big for us then. Now, we just had the first service that was bigger than this service. This service is pretty full, and we're about to have another service. And, and, and I'm just like, Lord, thank you that you have expanded my vision. But now when you have fulfilled this and tripled it in my understanding, it helps me to understand there are no limits to God. And now what we're seeing is God works something in our city in which the churches of, of Athens are coming together to become, as they should be, the church of Athens. Amen? So it's bigger than a church, because when, it is an, when it's a church's thing, then pride steps in, and we've seen it over and over. But when it's God's thing, and he gets the glory for it, then he says, can you, can you see that now? You, you've been asking for your church to grow. And that preacher's been asking for his church to grow. He said, how about the church grows? And how about when the church grows, I get the glory? Would you be okay with that? How about when, when the kingdom expands, I would get the glory? Would you be okay with it? Yes, Lord, I want to be in on it. That's all, my, that's all I want to say is I want in on it. <laughs> don't, don't do it without me. Amen. Here's Jacob, and he, he's... He's finagling over more sheep and, and more goats and, and more women and more money. And God's like, son, your name is about to become the name of a nation. The nation of Israel. That's this man's name. The nation of Israel is named after Jacob. This is it. This is the night when that began. He, becomes, he becomes Israel. He got a new name, he got a new nature, and he becomes a nation. The 12 tribes of Israel are the 12 sons of Jacob. God says, I, I'm, quit worrying about stupid sheep and goats. I'm going to give you, you're a nation. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. To him be glory. And then there's these weird three words that get stuck in the middle of our motivational sermon. In the church. In the church. Now, I can make a refrigerator magnet out of verse 20. In the beginning of verse 21, but then you put in the church. That's a weird place to put that. Let's read it again. Now to him, God, 
who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I can ask big, and I can think big. He's like, I can do bigger. He said, he can do above that according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church. By Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know that the blessing is connected to the body. I know that there are many who are here. There were many in the earlier service. There are many in this service. There will be many in the next service. You're trying to find your place. You may be church shopping. And you can church shop all through Athens and you can find every flavor of church, every kind of worship, every kind of word, message. You, you can go through with your list of criteria. This is the kind of church I want. And can I tell you that it is not that important what church you, you, you don't like our music? There'll be another one down the road that might just suit you fine. You don't like the way I preach? Not many people do. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it don't matter. What label, what denomination, what style of worship? Do y'all ever, ever think about how many flavors of church there are? I mean, we, we can go through and start. I want, uh, I want people to meet me at the door. I want people to usher me to my seat. I want, oh my goodness, we can get selfish. But I want to tell you something, that stuff... You find you a place where you're right there in the, in the flow of the Lord, connected to a people of God, living out the purpose of God. You, the blessings are connected to the body. The blessings are connected to the body. We can finagle out there in the world and try and find fulfillment. We can do it through, through drugs. We can do it through sex. We can do it through prosperity and possession. All of that stuff, it will not fulfill. The blessings are connected to the body. When you are living out the purpose that God has created you to live out, you will find that this world has nothing to offer you. This, the, the things of this world are so piddly. You can have the nicest vehicle and the biggest house and the most money. And you know what? There are people that have those things and are, are, are rotten inside. It's just rotten inside. And this is exactly what Jacob's life looked like. He wanted more and more, and he got more and found out, but I'm not home. I want to go back home with all of my more. And then when he got there, fear sets in. What if I lose my stuff? And then the Lord jumps on him. The Lord jumps on him. You ever got jumped on? Last Sunday, I did horse sense. Out there uh, working with that horse. I sometimes overshare. <laughs> I always overshare. Sometimes the filter don't kick in. But uh, I, I knew that the Lord wanted me to say this last Sunday. And that I had a little bit of a wrestling match with the Lord. I, was, I felt like he had disappointed me. And, uh, and I told him about it. Now, I know you may think that I'm a heretic for that, but uh, David did a lot. He just got real honest with God. The truth is, he knows your heart anyway. You might as well pray it and tell him. And I said, God, I am uh, I'm mad at you. I have never had him say this to me. I have never had him say this to me. This was, this was 
This was more recent than I would like to admit. And I said, God, I'm mad at you. And he said, I'm mad at you too. Now, I, y'all know me, I'm a grace preacher. I'm a grace preacher. I, I'm, a, I'm always talking about the goodness of God and the love of God. But he just, you know, God speaks to us. He said, I'm mad at you too. Now, it, just know that when, when God's madness, God's anger toward me as his child is better than man's love toward me. So when I say God is love and God is good, he, it, it, and his disappointment was kinder to me than you and your greatest love for me. That's how good he is. But he was just honest. He's like, I'm mad at you too. Now, I know you want to know the details. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, there was an area in my life that I had not surrendered to the Lord. And I was wrestling with him on it, and I was fighting him on it. And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, I'm, just, I'm going to rebel in this area. I wouldn't out and out say that, but that's exactly what I was doing. Now, I'm going to tell you, this, is, this sounds so fleshly, but I was fishing when I was having this argument with the Lord. I was mad because of all sorts of things. And in my uh, little fit, out there on the lake, just me and the Lord. I wasn't catching nothing. That, that always, you know that, that night when uh, Jesus, uh, that morning when Jesus saw uh, the disciples, they'd been fishing all night, and he said, y'all catch anything? I know you can't read tone in a text, but I know how Peter answered, no! <laughs> That's how he answered, no. <laughs> and so me and the Lord were having this, this you know, discussion. There wasn't much discussion said, you know what? I am not going to fight God. I'll never win this one. I submit. And I surrender. And I repent. And Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. I just want to get right. Now, that in itself would have been enough. That in itself would have been enough. Just to, the, the, the peace of knowing I'm right with God again. The joy that began, I, I went from misery to joy in just seconds. And that, that would have been enough. But then the crazy thing is, God's like, let me just show you how good I am. I started catching fish like crazy. I, went down the, I, mean, I just pulled him one after the day. He's like, just in case the devil tries to deceive you to think that you didn't get blessed, I want you to see that you got blessed. See, we can wrestle and argue and fight with God saying, but I want it. And I need this and I need. And he's like, the thing that you need is to be as close to me as you can possibly get. I know it looks like this was a fight when that man jumped on Jacob in the night. He's got a hold of him. He's got a hold of him. And, And I think that during that wrestling match, all of a sudden Jacob just gave up. It's like, I surrender. Who jumped on who? It was the Lord that grabbed a hold of Jacob. And Jacob's like, I got you now. (laughs) And the Lord's like, no, I really have you. I really have you. Well, let's land this plane. Our God.
can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. The way Paul starts, by the way, if you'll remember, Paul wrestled with the Lord too. Paul had a wrestling match with the Lord, and, and, he, and he gets knocked to the ground and blinded, and he's, he said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the one that you're wrestling against. But Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 1. He says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would understand the great wealth, the great spiritual wealth that you have in Jesus. Because if we understand the absolute blessings that we have in Jesus, we will not be looking to the world to fulfill our deepest needs. I, I know this isn't, I didn't give you this, sister, but we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I wanna, I'm going to make this quick. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what are the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He says, that power that rose him from the dead, you now have it. And the prosperity that you're thinking of in the, the world, it's, so, it's trinkets and gadgets compared to the treasure that he has for us. He said, if we get that, we won't continue to look for the world to fulfill our deepest needs. He's the one that does it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that our wrestling matches would just turn into just a monster hug. Just a bear hug. That we're not wrestling with you, trying to get something from you. We're just holding on to you because we know that you are our greatest blessing. Lord, if we were stripped of everything, would you be enough? Oh, you're so good. You're not threatening us to strip us from everything. But the question still remains. If all we had was you. If all we had were you, would, would, would that be enough? Lord, help us to find our greatest pleasure in you. Help us, Lord. We're so lacking in our understanding of how good you are. Help us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.